Our God and our Father, we come before thee afresh in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have so much to thank thee for, and we do lift our hearts to thee in thankfulness for all thy care and preservation and goodness to us over this conference weekend. Much prayer has been made, much prayer has been answered, and we thank thee, O God, for thy rich faithfulness to us. And now in these closing minutes before we retire for further refreshment and fellowship before heading in our different directions, we thank thee we have an opportunity to present again the glorious gospel of thy grace. We pray, O God, that thou wilt graciously quieten our hearts. May something of the presence of God and the fear of thyself fall upon us. Preserve us from idle thoughts. Preserve us from mere ritual. We pray that these closing minutes of the conference will be blessed with the knowledge of thy presence and to see thy blessing in salvation. We know that our desire to see people saved is nothing compared with thine own. May it be, O God, that nothing in us or of us would in any way hinder the Spirit of God in his own gracious ministry of illuminating souls as to their need and the complete sufficiency of the Lord Jesus to meet that need. We wait upon thee. Quiet in our hearts, we pray thee. We look to thee for blessing as we present our thanks and our worship in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I want to read a short passage of scripture with you, please, from the Old Testament book of Exodus and chapter 9. Exodus and chapter 9. The passage we're going to read falls within the section that deals with the various plagues that God sent upon the country and the people of Egypt because of the refusal of Pharaoh to release the people of God from their bondage. And the detail of the seventh plague in that series is found in Exodus chapter 9, and we'll read at verse 18. Now remember, as we're reading, please, that this is something that God spoke to Moses, and Moses to Pharaoh, and it happened. History bears out that it happened. It's not some little Bible story It is a very solemn account of the dealings of an offended God with rebellious men. Exodus chapter 9, verse number 18. Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail, such as hath not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof even until now. Send therefore now and gather thy cattle and all that thou hast in the field. For upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field and shall not be brought home, the hail shall come down upon them and they shall die. He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses 
And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, upon man and upon beast, and upon every herb of the field, throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven. And the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground, And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt, so there was hail, and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field, and brake every tree of the field. We trust God will give us help as we look for just a few moments at this very solemn passage of Scripture. On a few occasions I have been in Egypt to preach the gospel and to teach the word of God to believers in that very now benighted country overrun as it is by Islamic people and faith. One of the things that strikes you in a country like Egypt is that There are no trees. Well, I say there are no trees. There are a few palm trees along the the Nile. But the forestry that they once had has gone. And this passage tells us when and why God did it. It's real. Egypt never has recovered from that, and it never will. You see, my friends, when God speaks, he means it. God does not fool with men. And here was a nation that, through its leadership, was being grievously rebellious against God. And the time came when God said, I will send judgment. And God has said in his word that he is ready to judge this world and he's ready to judge you. And when this message came to the people of Egypt, there were many who clearly thought that the whole notion of what Moses was saying was crazy. It was about the time of barley harvest. And they're working hard out in the fertile delta region. And there's a lot of work to be done. And the sun is shining out of that lovely blue Mediterranean sky. The weather is so predictable. And they're just getting about the business that they and their fathers and their forefathers had always been engaged in. It was real. That was the scene. Picture it. Busy men and women just getting about their daily task. And suddenly, out among them, there come messengers. Tomorrow, about this time, God is going to send hail and fire and he's going to destroy this place and and if we don't get our livelihood back home, it will all be destroyed. Do 
And they must have looked at those messengers and thought, they're crazy. Hail? (laughs) Not this time of year. No. Fire from heaven? No. In the winter months, we might see lightning out to the north over the Mediterranean Sea, but no. No, what these people are saying is ridiculous. Look, don't pester us with this. We're busy people. You want to believe that crazy stuff? You go ahead and believe it. Don't bother us. We're busy. My dear friend tonight in this gospel meeting, is that how you feel? Do you feel that preachers who seek to bring before you solemnly the fact of pending divine judgment, do you think they're just being crazy? Just some weird kind of religious thing? Listen, I'm too busy. I've got stuff to do today. I've got stuff to do tomorrow. I've got a lot of things planned out. I don't need this stuff. Where's your evidence? Look, the sky's blue. The sun's shining. The crops are growing. Everything's normal. But with increasing urgency and with increasing pleas, the word is coming to them. Come home. Come home. If you stay away, you will die. There were some who regarded the word of the Lord. And there were many more that didn't. Those who regarded the word of the Lord. Those who set the word of God above what they could see or perceive or think was possible, those who simply took God at his word. That's what faith does. Faith takes God at his word. And there were people who looked back in the recent history of their country and they acknowledged that God was dealing with them and they said, you know, I believe that this could be real. And if God says I must flee to my home, then I will. And there were others who simply said, I'm too busy, that's crazy, I don't want anything to do with this, everything's going on normally. And they regarded not the word of the Lord. And if there are people in this meeting tonight, and you're not saved, now that means there has never been a time in your life when you have consciously taken your place as a guilty sinner before an offended God, You have never yet actively repented of your sins and put your faith in Christ alone for salvation. Now, if you are not saved, you are under the impending judgment of an offended God. When? Tomorrow about this time. In other words... God, through his messengers, didn't say now at 11 o'clock tomorrow or 5 past 6 tomorrow. He just said tomorrow about this time. It's imminent. It's imminent. Would you, my friend, for a moment, just look at the world in which you are living and tell me if this world is not heading for some great imminent crisis. You know it is. It cannot carry on like this. The wheel is wobbling hard. It's going to come off. When? Tomorrow about this time. 
Financially, morally, ecologically, politically, militarily, religiously, whatever way you want to look at it, this whole system is falling apart and you cannot tell me of one man who's in control of the whole thing. Our leaders, our politicians, we pray for them. They are, they are simply reacting and responding and they don't know what to do. God is dealing with this world. And God will deal with you if you refuse to repent of your sins. The gospel is a message that calls guilty sinners to repentance before God. And that's what you must do. You must repent and believe the gospel. And there were those who gave regard to God's word. And unlikely as it all seemed, they fled. And there were others who regarded it not. Wasn't it a brief and lovely message? To people who were under this impending judgment, what was the message? Come home. Come home. I love being with you people. But I like being at home better. It's just something about home, isn't there? You say, well, what's home? Man's native home place is the presence of God. And we, we as a race of men were expelled from home because of sin. And yet God, whose home it is, and who wants us there with him, has ceaselessly worked ever since to bring us home. And the call goes out in the gospel to those who are under the impending judgment of God. Come home. The thing is, we can't just come home of ourselves. The problem that caused us to be expelled from our home needs to be dealt with. And the gospel of the grace of God has its focus in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He left that home. We were expelled from it as a race of men, but he voluntarily left it. And he came all the way out into the distance where we were. And he came into the world, the Bible says, to be the savior of sinners. The savior of sinners. These people needed saving, didn't they? They needed saving, they needed deliverance from the, from the imminent judgment of God. And he came into the world to save sinners and to bring us home. When the gospel speaks of salvation, it's speaking about divine deliverance once and for all from all the penalty of our sins and all the power of sin as a master. Salvation from everything that drove us out from the presence of God so that we can be righteously brought back into the presence of God. Brought home. And yes, yes, if I read Acts chapter 17, the gospel is a divine command. 
God commandeth all men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. But it's also a wonderful invitation. Because the one who came from home and came into this alien environment and here dealt with the root cause and problem of our expulsion from home. He gave his life at Calvary to deal with the sin question once and for all. He gave his life at Calvary, the sinless one, so that God in rich mercy could move out righteously to sinners and say that if sinners repent and believe the gospel and flee for home, God will receive them. And they'll never know his judgment. And very simply, but very surely, in Exodus chapter 9, those people were divided and divided forever into two companies. Those who gave regard to the word of the Lord and those who didn't. Those who believed the word of the Lord fled for home. They were saved. The others? Can you imagine how it would be for real? If you go out again, out into your field, and the sky is blue and the sun is shining and you've got your farming implement on your shoulder and you're talking to the man who's walking next to you and you say, it's no sign of those crazies who were talking to us yesterday. <laughs> Hail. <laughs> Fire from heaven. Come on, we've got work to do. Can you imagine how they would feel when suddenly a chill wind blew across them? When suddenly and inexplicably the sky grew dark and raw terror began to fill their hearts. And suddenly they throw the implement aside. And one by one they take to their heels. It's too late. And in a moment, hail, terrible hail came from heaven. And those who weren't pounded and crushed under the hail were consumed in fire that ran along the ground. And everyone who regarded not the word of the Lord, they perished. But God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's why the Lord Jesus is the only Savior of sinners. That's why, my dear friends, tonight you must repent and believe the gospel. Because judgment, divine judgment upon this world and upon the individual is absolutely imminent. It's coming. And you'll either regard the word of the Lord or you'll not. What's going through your head and your heart at the moment? I don't know. God does. What's this man trying to do? Scare me? No, my friend, this man's trying to warn you. To warn you of urgent, dreadful, desperate reality that God will judge you for your sins. And the only way you can be saved is to heed the word of the Lord.
come home. Come home. Restored and reconciled to a righteous God through repentance and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. At Calvary, he removed the reason for our expulsion. At Calvary, he removed every obstacle. And now tonight, you must repent. You must take your place as a guilty sinner before God and acknowledge that you deserve his judgment. Thank him for sending his son to be your savior. And repent of your sins. Call upon God for his mercy and to save your soul. There were those who regarded the word of the Lord. They were saved. There were those who chose not to regard the word of the Lord. And they perished. And God has set this on eternal record. So that you might be solemnly warned. If you're not saved tonight, you are on the road to hell. If you die in your sins, there will never, ever be opportunity again throughout eternity for you to be saved. That opportunity, by the grace of God, is now. Now. Listen to it. Listen to the call, the call of a victorious and risen Christ. Come home. Come home. Be ye reconciled to God, is the way Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 5. Heed the call. Never mind what your mind and your heart think is possible and logical. Your faith must be in God's word. And you must heed the call. If you're going to be saved, you must come home. We trust that God will bless his word. Shall we pray? Our God, we pray thy blessing upon this brief and simple time we've spent thinking about the awful terror of impending divine judgment. O oh God, we're grateful to know that it is not our responsibility to persuade the sinner. We couldn't if we tried. But we do pray that the Spirit of God himself will have freedom and liberty to perform his own ministry. We pray for all gathered here. For those of us saved by thy grace, we bless thee for the day when we put our faith in Christ and we were brought home. We're looking forward to that day when that purpose is fulfilled and we're, we are eternally at home with Christ. Our desire tonight, our God, is for those many of whom we know and love, who are not yet saved. And we pray that tonight in thy goodness, they will realize the awful urgency of the gospel and flee, and flee for home. These things we ask of thee, as we give thee thanks again for all the mercies of this weekend, all thy kindness to us. We think of the meal already prepared for us, to enjoy in a few moments, and we thank thee for it, and we thank thee for thy kind provision through thy people once again. We offer thee our thanks, and we pray thy blessing as we give thee now our evening tribute of worship in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs>